You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yes, we are back. It is episode 51 of Orange and Back Check. Loud? Not at all. Just saying 51. Oh, see, we're using video now, and I can yeah. see your facial reaction. So I have to see Mowgli's already gone. He's already seen our ugly mugs, and he's like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm going home. I haven't seen uh, that going- ugly mug in all the long time. And you know what, Bill? It hasn't gotten any better. So kudos to you, buddy. All right. But for our audience sake, for you guys, uh, what happened was I started in- doing the introduction and Scott made a face and I was like, oh, no, I'm overmodulated and cracking. But it's actually t- t- doing just fine. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we've done 51 episodes. And that's what we we're here for. We're here on episode 51, the first ga- episode of the official off season, we're officially in off season mode. What is my wife showing Look at me? How many Burger King coupons we got in the mail? Do you want me to throw them out? Like, look how insane this is. Yes, <laughs> throw it out. Thank you for appearing on the podcast. <laughs> I don't even know I what to do with that. Yeah, just walk in the middle of the podcast. Hey, honey, <laughs> hey, let me see about these Burger King coupons. Well, in addition to my wife being a guest on this week's episode, we're also going to be joined by Brian McKean of, of uh, Sirius XM, WFAN, CBS Sports Radio. He's a great guy. So he's going to be joining us. He's going to be talking about the Islanders series against the Flyers, the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, and of course, what's going to happen to the NHL in the future. And Scott and I are going to have our discussion uh, on our own about that as well. Uh, but we'll get Brian in here and he'll uh, he'll have some thoughts on what's going to happen to the NHL, because I think the biggest thing is and I, I, I will get into Chuck Fletcher's comments here in just a second. But just off the top, the biggest thing is just figuring out what the NHL season is going to be looking like in December, January, whenever they start because of covid, because the bubble uh, is great in theory. And we talked about it earlier where they needed to be in a bubble, but the NHL. The NFL and the NBA kind or excuse me, the NFL and the MLB stuck with their guts, their guns because of how big of a pain it would have been to be in the in, in a bubble for a full season compared to the playoffs. That's why it worked well for the NBA, why it worked well for the NHL season playoffs, because they were towards the end of the year for them. So it, it worked well. Um, but yeah, I think this it's gonna be interesting of where the how this works and we're going to get some guests on to talk about the theories of that. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, Scott, uh, how this is going to shape up. Cause I imagine it's going to be no fans uh, right off the bat. 
I don't think so. I don't think we'll see fans. I mean, hopefully at some point next season we do. But if the way they're talking things right now, they're not saying that third quarter in 2021 is when things are going to start getting back to normal here. If that's the case, you're talking like July. So the season would pretty much be over then. So you're going a whole season without fans. As states go along here, they'll probably ease regulations and certain things in certain states. Philadelphia doesn't seem to be one of them. But Canada would probably go back to having fans first, but not only allowing people who are from Canada and from there, not any kind of yeah, American fans or anything like that if it's still out of control. So I think there's a lot to look at here for. Um, the good news is the NFL didn't have any COVID, virus, COVID positives this week. Uh, the NBA hasn't had any. Neither has the NHL in this bubble. So but they're working. It's not like a disaster like it was a couple months ago with the whole Miami Marlins situation. So if they do it the right way, uh, this can be accomplished. You won't need any kind of bubble. I don't think a bubble with a regular season will work. I think you get a lot of guys who just won't be focused, and especially in 82-game season, you're trying to separate from families for six months. Don't know if that's something that's actually going to be able to be feasible. So, um, yeah, yeah I, the way I look at it is that there's going to be no fans. It's just going to be flying back and forth in empty stadiums. It's going to be really odd sight. It is a little odd to watch football with that right now, uh, but at the same time, I don't think that people after a while are really going to know it any different. And that's might be a little bit more scary than anything else. Yeah, you're right. And, and to that leads to the point of what the flyers going to be like next season. I mean, Chuck Fletcher had his end of the year, uh, kind of like the state of the team. It's kind of how I look at it. Like a state yeah. of the union, the F- Chuck Fletcher comes out at the end of the year, every year, just like every general manager in past history, Paul Holmgren did it. Ron Hextall did it. Mm-hmm. And he just basically gave his thoughts on on the end of the season. And I think both you and I were, I guess, uh, a little surprised of how blunt he was. Because yeah. I think everyone, yeah. I think we both agreed on what this team needs to address when it comes to being a successful uh, a team, when it comes to trying to compete with the Tampa Bays of the world, really compete with the Islanders of the world, as weird as that sounds, because you pushed them to game seven, but it didn't feel like you were in it with them for that for that long. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, what does Chuck want to see out of this game or out of his, this team? And for sure it was, I want bottom six depth. I thought they, he basically said, I thought they looked really well in the, in the, uh, pre lockout or pre, excuse me, pre pause. Uh, and then after the pause, it kind of went to hell either, either way, or excuse me, obviously in the, in the round Robin, they looked pretty good. Um, but at, by the time Montreal series came around, they just kind of fell off a cliff and the bottom six wasn't there. And the, obviously the top six wasn't there. So I think his biggest thing to address is offensive scoring and getting a backup goalie. Because I think the depth of the defense is there. He definitely addressed that he wants to add to it, but mm-hmm. it almost sounded like he wanted to address it from the farm system more than anything. I don't know if you took it the same way, but uh, what, were you? how shocked were you or – what were your thoughts on Chuck Fletcher after his press conference uh, last week? I was very happy with the fact how blunt he was, like you said. you Normally, in years past, you get a guy like Hextel, like, oh, we took a step forward, we did this, these guys are doing really well, they're working to get there, et cetera. Chuck Fletcher called the bottom six right out and said they weren't good enough in the second round, plain and simple. Yeah. No, we were good enough. The top of six wasn't there. Bottom six we really fell off in the second round there. Um, they had a decent first round, a good first round, and in the second round, they just weren't there. I was really taken back by that because 
I think that the way that the league looks at this now is kind of like a Dallas star situation. You have your top six who really didn't do much, but your bottom six did is doing all everything. And you're now you're in the Stanley cup final shows to me that they're really counting on that bottom six to really push them over the top, which we've been saying all along, you bought, you round out your bottom six to make sure that you're, you can get to a final and, and that you need those guys in the playoffs. But I think the bigger issue with the flyers right now is the fact that they don't have enough scoring, enough skill up front. Yes, they have guys where they score by committee. JVR scores a lot of goals. And Jake scores a lot of points. Claude Giroux, he, he, he scores a lot of points. Sean Couturier has gotten a lot of points. But you don't have that one guy who can just command your offense, basically, and just be the yeah. ultimate skill guy. You don't, you don't have, a have Yeah, and you don't even need like someone like that the high profile. You're right. But like, look at Braden Point. Braden Point's turning into, look to me, it would probably be the MVP of the playoffs if Tampa wins this thing. Even if they lose on the outside, it's very possible. Um, but I, I look at this and say, okay, they're, they're missing some skill up front. You can beat the trap a couple different ways. The Flyers, when they played against the trap in two rounds, they got suffocated because they don't have enough skill up front to be able to be able to break it. They have to play systemically. They have to play the dump and chase. They have to play you know, trying to establish a forecheck. You can cancel an offense out if you don't allow them those opportunities to do it and without enough skill to get the puck deeper or find a way to penetrate the offensive zone, it becomes glaring. And that's ultimately why the Flyers lost in the series yeah. against the Islanders. But well, I, at this point, I mean, you're really, because of the cap situation, you don't have a lot of options to go out and get somebody. You have to find somebody who could be available, like Patrick Line, who we talked about. Kyle Connor might be one of those guys. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers might be another one in, in – in, um, and Winnipeg. Winnipeg seems to be the go-to place because I don't know if they're having financial problems with the fact that they're more of a budget team. But if the fact of a guy like Patrick Line is available, who has how, over his career he's got 247 points in 305 games, if he becomes available and he's only 22 years old, I, I know the Flyers are not looked saying they want to give up the farm, but I'd be throwing a lot of pieces in the fire from getting a 22-year-old who's already got almost over, actually, 138 goals in the NHL just in, in four seasons. Yeah, I, I think also to counter, not counter, but I don't, they shouldn't rush this. Like, I, I would like Patrick Line on this team. I, I'm with you on that. Or a Nylander out of Toronto, someone like along those lines. Um, but you also, I, and I think Chuck Fletcher is going to be similar to this when Ron Hextall was the GM. He's not going to give up today to sell tomorrow, or I'm sorry, he's not going to give up tomorrow for today. Like that's a good mindset to have if you're going to be a successful GM. And especially when you're looking at, you have two teams in the Stanley Cup final right now who has that, uh, that, that building. You have one team in the Tampa Bay Lightning that has a true scorer. Obviously, he's out of the playoffs right now in terms of Stamkos, but you also have other players that can step in that role to be the true quote-unquote sniper. You talk about point for, for a moment there. So that's the kind of thing. Well, you also, also have the key to Kucherov. Kucherov's really good Kucherov, with them as well. Yeah. They're surrounded by talent down there. They have a lot of skill up front. It's just putting right. in a team together has been a problem with them. But on the other side of this, you have the Dallas Stars, who are, has no real true point scorer, or excuse me, like true sniper. You have a couple that ha that can step in up, that can be looked to in the big moment, and you kind of have that already because you would like Nolan Patrick, a healthy Nolan Patrick, to be that guy down the line. You probably want Travis Konecki to be that guy. But the point is, Dallas Stars have a goal by committee for the most part. They, they are very sp spread out when it comes to the goal scoring. 
Um, and look at them. They're, they're in the Stanley Cup final. You can call them a Cinderella story. They're benefiting from, uh, from, fr- from the bubble and all this stuff. But at the same time, they're in the Stanley Cup final, whether it's in the front of a packed 20,000 seat stadium or in a bubble up in Edmonton. Either way, they put together enough wins to make the Stanley Cup final. That's really impressive. So at the end of it, would I like to see Chuck Fletcher build the team to look and replicate a team like Tampa? Of course. I'm not saying he shouldn't because if you're built like Tampa, you're in the position Tampa is now as the Philadelphia Flyers. But there's also multiple methods to do this. It's not like it's analytics driven, especially because he talked about what uh, many people in other podcasts that I've listened to call it the eye test. He said what the uh, what the players on the ice told me didn't reflect what I think we thought we could be doing. So it's a it, it Bingo. Chuck Fletcher has a multitude of work. Right. Yeah. Especially in hockey. Like it, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that it's very tough to do uh, analytically. So I, I, I think Chuck has the, uh, is at not at a crossroads, but he has a plethora of options in w- how he wants to build this team. Because, yes, you can look at the bottom six, Nate Grant, Tyler Pitlick, who's a free agent. Grant's a free agent. These guys, if I were to guess, probably aren't coming back because Tyler Pitlick, I would say more than Grant. Um, not just because I like how Tyler Pitlick Pitt, plays the game. He's your favorite game. player. Everybody yeah. knows he's your favorite player, Bill. But I, I think <laughs> Tyler Pitlick has a little bit more of an upside to what Nate Grant can give you uh, in, in that sense. Like Nate, that's Nate Grant. Oh, what did I say? Oh, shit. Are you combining Nate Thompson and Derek yes. Grant? Derek Grant, sorry. How about, how about Derek, Derek Thompson? How about him? What yeah. do you think about him? Yeah. So Derek Grant... <laughs> I believe is is looking on the outside in in terms of coming back. You gave up a third and a fifth. I don't I don't really remember the trade. It was kind of throwaway picks in the first place. Uh, it was good value at the time to add to your to your bottom six. So guys like that, Chuck Fletcher basically can just look at this entire thing and say, how do I get as close to Tampa Bay's replicate Tampa Bay's roster as best I can with what I'm given and what's out there. Because we also have to address the fact of the flat cap. The flat cap is messing with this, with not just the Flyers, but all 30 teams, 32 teams. uh, When Seattle comes in in two seasons after next year, that's going to mess with them. Uh, and Gary Bettman spoke and saying that they're guaranteed they're coming in uh, next, uh, this season after next. It's just, it's one of those things where, this could be a very similar looking roster for a couple of years, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not a good thing either, if that makes sense. No, it, it's not a great thing because teams are going to be very limited on what they do and the moves that they make. So you're going to see, which isn't a bad thing. You're not going to see guys signing these big long-term contracts. So teams are going to yeah. be pinching pennies yep. a lot more. You're going to see more hockey trades. Teams are going to have to give up something to get something. Which I think is great. I think hockey trades are great because it gets a spark. We're talking like a, a hockey trade, which is like Shea Weber straight up for Malcolm Subban or, or for yeah. PK Subban. Um, yeah, look at you messing up your names, just like you. Yeah, this I, I know, right? I'm getting his brother karma. mixed up with with Shea Weber. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's so you're you're going to see more of that kind of movement, which is great. Salaries are similar. You're going to see package deals where it's going to benefit teams. Teams right now, you're going to see a lot less trading for draft picks. You're going to see yeah. more player for player yep. right now, anyway, yep. because salaries are going to be more important than anything over the next couple of years. But and that's going to be interesting. I, not to cut you off. Thing, that, 
it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be interesting if there's a ton of that in this particular season leading into next because you also have the expansion draft coming yeah. up. So you, these yeah. teams are not going to just be trading for player, or obviously they're trading for players. They're going to be trading for players in addition to actually having the mindset of, is this a player we're trading for that we're going to be able to say, yes, we want to protect them in the upcoming expansion draft because that's going to get funky uh, when it comes to that. Uh, we'll get, we'll, we're not going to get into that now. We're going to, that's a thing to get into two weeks before the, the expansion draft happens. But basically, there's going to be probably nine forwards that the Flyers are going to have to choose to, to protect, and that's going to be a factor for all these teams when it comes to straight-up player-for-player trades. And that's going to add a little no, another monkey wrench into this whole offseason for sure. And th- think about it this way, too. There was a lot of trades that were sending first-round picks to Vegas to make sure they didn't take certain players and they would take another one. I don't think you're going to be seeing that as much right now, which will be Seattle being pretty competitive right off the bat, which probably isn't a bad thing uh, because you're going to need some revenue getting through there as much as possible if there's no if there's issues with the gates where they can't bring in fans. Um, but still, it, I think the the bigger aspect of all of this is that you're talking a cap where it's not really going to move. The players are going to be paying more in escrow. So I don't think you're going to see a guy like Taylor Hall, maybe even Braden Holpe. Um, I don't think you're going to see these guys inking long-term deals because teams are going to pay it out. They're going to pinch more pennies and try to hold up for maybe re-up their own guys because think about it this way. You're going to have to re-up Sanheim at some point. You're going to have to re-up Myers. Those are defensemen. So if if Fletcher really wants to make sure that this you're team – You're forgetting the biggest one too. Carter, Carter Hart. Hart. Yeah, and you're going to have to re-up these guys. And right now I think with all their free agents, they have $14 million in cap space, which seems like a lot. But once you lock some of these guys back up, that goes away really, really quick. A guy like Derek Grant would help them because he's versatile, because he can play the wing as well. You don't know with Nolan Patrick's situation. He's also a free agent, a restricted free agent. Um, I don't think any team's going to throw any kind of offer sheet at him. It wouldn't make sense because he hasn't played in a full season, but you never know. I mean, in that situation, do you take the compensation at that point? You're talking about, I think, for that point, if you don't manufacture a trade, it's five first-round draft picks. I might take that, Um, depending on what team wants to bring him on board, if that's the case. But Derek Grant is a guy who gives them more versatility. They just re-signed Nick Albay Kubel. Um, they they need to shore up that third that third center role though. But there's really no options yeah. out there to do it. We could talk about backup goaltender too. Uh, but really, there isn't a better option out there besides Brian Elliott. I mean, where do you want to go back to Tam- Cam Talbot? Nobody wants him. He wasn't very. Yeah. He was okay during the playoff series, but. I mean, listen, Calgary needs a starter. They're not going to bring back Cam Talbot. They're not going to get rid of David Riddick. Uh, Edmonton, there's Mike Smith. You want him? I don't want Mike Smith. I mean, the only other goalies that you can get backup-wise, you, you, Carter Hart's not ready to to be um, on his own, so to speak. So you, you couldn't bring up a young guy like a Felix Sandstrom to play with him right now. It wouldn't be a good no, mixture. Right. You, you, you need a guy because he's still young enough where he needs some veteran tutelage. You can bring Brian Elliott back really cheap. He had played enough quality games this year where you can get, you know, okay, if he's got to play 20, 25 games, probably more like the 25, 30, he can do that. Who else is out there, though? I mean, Lundquist's name is being thrown out there around, and, um, you know, because he's still available for trade at a decent salary. But is anybody really going to pay $5 million for a 38 year old goaltender? Um, is anybody really going to put a lot of money out for Corey Crawford? Robin Leonard's a free agent, but he's he's shown in this playoff series he's not ready to take a backup role. Marc-Andre Fleury might be available, but he's got two years at $7 million left. Um, the other one, Jimmy Howard. 
Jimmy Howard's, frankly, he's over the hill at this point. He'll be 36 this year. Yeah, he's a backup guy, but I don't know if Jimmy Howard can give you 20, 25 quality starts as well as Brian, as Brian Elliott could. You also have to look at it in a sense of who is best for the advancement of Carter Hart's career. Bingo. Like, Brian Elliott, like that's Brian why. Brian Elliott is exa- is, fits the bill for that. Like yeah. Brian Elliott knows what who Carter Hart is. Right. He's able to give him veteran advice, veter- right. veteran uh, quality backup. Like it's just like your point about Felix Santrum, like that would make no sense for this t- the state of this team because you can't have two young backups for this team. It's just mm-hmm. too – um, it, it's too unfair for the advancement of not uh, just Sandstrom. Don't it's, say the word fair. It's professional sports here, but I get that. But okay, unfair for the fans. Like you, it's you not would, even that. You, no, not but even like, that. like no, I look at it, no, no, no. You you need a veteran goaltender to help your your younger players. Right. The reason you just talked about that's exactly that's what, what I it mean. comes down to. Yeah, I mean, that's it just wouldn't mean. be a good fit. Yeah. Like it, it would, I don't. It wouldn't be smart to bring in a young backup goalie who one doesn't have any professional experience uh, over here yet. I don't think he's even played for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms yet. I don't. So, know. he might have signed a pro contract. I have to look into that. I'm not sure. So, not so right. like, I remember him being drafted. What two years ago? A year ago? Like, or, actually, you know what? No, he was taken in the same draft as Carter Hart, I believe. Because Hextall went nuts. He took three or four goalies within that draft, uh, if I remember correctly. So it's just one of those things where it's nice to have him in the pipeline if, God forbid, Carter Hart has a slump in his third year in the NHL. But as a backup role for the 2020-2021 season, no, you got you to gotta do whatever you can to get Brian Elliott back on this team. Because whether that's a one-year deal or two-year deal, uh, I really want Brian Elliott back on this team. Well, lock him up for one year. That way, there's no issues if he decides to retire. Look, here's the important thing about Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott has had a very mediocre career. Let's be honest here. He's played very good games. He's played as well at some points, and he's played very, very poorly at some points in his career. At one point before St. Louis, he was out of the league pretty much. And they took a flyer on him, and then he just turned back, and he, he revamped his whole career from there. Brian Elliott's a really good guy because of that experience for Carter Hart to lean on so when times get tough, he has someone who can kind of give him the advice like, hey, let me have you work through the situation. Granted, Jimmy Howard's been there, okay? Corey Crawford's been there. He's won a couple Stanley Cups. Uh, overall, though, the point is, yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> you, you have familiarity with Brian Elliott. You know you can get him cheap. Corey Crawford's the type of guy who probably still wants to start. Jimmy Howard knows his role, but Jimmy Howard's, I think, already in the twilight of his career. I, I don't know if Jimmy Howard has enough in the tank to really play 25, 30 quality starts. And you have to think of it this way. If Carter Hart, not going with that it doesn't, but if he gets banged up and he has to miss a few games, you need a guy who can ride behind for a few games, not just yep. one spot start here and there. You have to take that into consideration. You have to figure out a guy who can come here and start for you and still keep you at 500 or over during a time where your starter's out. Brian Elliott's the only guy that really makes sense here at this point. Money-wise, experience-wise, the fact he's redeemed himself and he's played pretty well in the city and he's become kind of, I wouldn't say, he's become that that boost syndrome where the guy's like coming in where people are like, oh my God, he's starting. But he turns out, oh man, he plays pretty well when he's in there and takes his opportunities of his opportunities. So all yep. in all, he's a Philly guy. He's a, he's a straight up Philly guy. He's yeah. developed into a yeah. Philly guy. And you know you should have more respect for him than you probably do. And I think that's important for Carter Hart's development. Don't screw up like he did with Boosh and trade away a veteran too, more and, uh, too much and 
You trade away John Van Beesbrook. Boosh was left on an island. Checkmana comes in and takes over, and Boosh just took him years to settle back in and get him leveled out. So don't make the mistake. Bring him back. But importantly, too, bring back Derek Grant because he has the verse two where he can play wing and center. Sky Lawton can play wing and center, even on you know, even as far as the top six, but you can pit, you can move him down to the bottom six. Hopefully, Nolan Patrick is healthy enough where you bring him back, slide him in as the third line center, get better matchups, and he can produce at a higher level till they're ready to bump him up to top six. There are some moves they can make here internally to make them better, but overall, this team needs something where they can really find a guy who can just put a lot of points on the board and isn't afraid to shoot the puck. So uh, if yeah. you package something out where you might have to ship away something along the lines of like a first round draft pick or two and Nolan Patrick and Shane Gosses beer uh, to get Patrick line. A. But if you're doing that, the kid's 22 and it's has scored over 30 goals each year in his career so far. I'm taking that in a heartbeat. So, Hey, look, the good news is, is that Fletcher was blunt and he can see the entire thing as it is, and he's not sugarcoating it like like regimes have done in the past. I think it's important here that the, he's going to make the right moves, even with the flat cap. But don't get overly zealous about how you know if he doesn't able to make the move because don't forget, while Fletcher may want when he make a move for Patrick Line, Winnipeg might not want to give him up unless they want more than what the Flyers would offer. Yeah. So he's very going to cost an arm and a leg. They might want. Two arms and a leg. So yeah. I mean, yeah. At that point, you you got to know when to say no. Yeah, because every it, it, you can we can talk about these hypothetical trades all we want, but it takes two to tango on in, in the NHL and any trade. Like you need the team to be and people able forget to that. Yeah, yeah. You, so people forget. It's that great to have these hypothetical trades, and I'm sure we're going to get into them even more in depth as the offseason goes on and these yep. rumors ramp up. There has been a couple rumors, not just with uh, Patrick Laine, but also Johnny Gaudreau out of Cal- Calgary. Like this is this is going to we're going to see these a lot more um, that we're going to get into. But let's now we're going to welcome in our very first official guest of the Orange and Back Check podcast. Fifty one episodes in. Brian McKean of the WFAN Sirius XM radio on the NFL side for a little for a while CBS radio Brian is here to talk about NHL Brian how you doing to this evening I'm doing great guys thanks for having me I really appreciate it yeah, absolutely. Now, if you don't know, uh, Brian, he's everywhere. He uh, does a lot of contributions for, as we said, uh, the sparkblog.net. Um, and just talking about uh, the NHL tonight. I mean, it's been the NHL going on, still going on. The bubble's still working. Um, what are your initial thoughts, Brian, on how the bubble has been f- for the NHL and for the league and the NBA? Has obviously worked well as uh, also. So, uh, overall, do you expect this to be kind of sadly something we're going to see for a couple of years, or do you just see it being uh, a one-and-done type of deal? I mean, I find it hard to believe that this is going to be going on for the next couple of years, but, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? If you're watching the Thursday night football game tonight, the Browns are having a couple fans in the building tonight. So I think we're getting starting to get back to that normalcy period. I'm hoping the next NHL season we can have limited crowds in the stands, but Overall, with the bubble, I think it's worked perfectly. The guys are still playing with the same intensity you normally see in playoff hockey. The games have still been competitive. They've still you've still seen great playoff contributions from players that you weren't expecting from like normal NHL playoffs. I think even on the NBA side, guys, 
You've seen some of the best basketball we've seen in a while when it comes to at the NBA. The guys are actually playing defense for the first time in five years. They're not all shooting three pointers <laughs> all the time. You're seeing teams still make you know three one comebacks, unlikely things to happen that normally don't happen in most playoff seasons. So I think overall the bubbles have surprisingly worked because I was super uh, you know I didn't know how to feel about the going into the bubble because crowd yeah. is such a huge part of postseasons. And yet, this has worked phenomenally, phenomenally, in my opinion. Yeah, and especially because the baseball has already announced that they're going to be going into a bubble. And it seems like it's going to be, from what I read, and, and you correct me if I, I, I'm missing any, it's going to be like three or four cities from Texas to upper uh, northern California. It's, it's just, I think this is just the smart move right now for these sports leagues. Because uh, obviously, the M- MLB had a hiccup, uh, had a rough start there in the beginning with COVID. And they're still dealing with it here and there. Um, but I think the model that the the NFL is using and the Major League Baseball is using uh, for their regular season is probably what we're going to see coming down the pipeline for the 2020-2021 season for the NHL. Because the, the, the bubble is sustainable in a playoff atmosphere because of the limited amount of teams that you had even when the NHL decided to expand it uh, to 24 this particular time. So... The regular season, I don't think it's sustainable in a bubble, but it is sustainable uh, for a – you still have travel, but you're not going to have fans, or as you said, hopefully we have a limited capacity of fans. What are your thoughts on next season for, for when it comes to a bubble? Uh, I don't know if it's possible for a full season, especially for baseball, because there's just too many games that mm-hmm. you're going to need to be playing in a full uh, day. I think if you could move the bubble into maybe per division, you can make it work. So if you had one bubble in New York that the Metro only played their games in New York or Carolina or something, and then the Pacific you only played in Vegas, I think it could work like that if you had to. But, I mean, overall the bubbles work because, I mean, even in the NBA and the NHL, you've had like zero positive tests out of the bubbles. So mm-hmm. they are making it work. Um, Major League Baseball, we'll see how it goes. I mean, baseball is one of those sports, guys, where a crowd can really impact a postseason game especially having home field advantage. I mean, I've been to multiple Yankee playoff games over the last few years, and I can firsthand say the crowd definitely affects some of those games. So I'm really intrigued to see how baseball playoffs are going to be without crowds because that that's some stuff that you, you, you can't really measure what a crowd means to a playoff team, and it, you're going to lose that in baseball playoffs this year. But, hey, I mean, it's a problem. That's the least of our worries in what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, it really is. And totally true. You know, that that's actually one of the, the the things I brought up to Bill way back in the day when they started talking about this bubble was that, man, how are you going to have hockey playoffs without a crowd? I'm surprised how intense the hockey's been without that there, without that extra juice. Um, it, it's amazing. I, I, and maybe that's the reason why some of the teams you expected to go a little deeper fell off. Like, you know, I didn't, didn't expect by any means the Dallas Stars to get to the Stanley Cup final at this point. Um, but to uh, – Maybe that has something to do with it where they're more concentrated with the crowd, not in it, and not so much pressure for some of these guys, and that's probably why we've seen the better quality of hockey. I can't vouch so much for basketball as I – honestly, I don't really watch it. But um, still, I'm sure the concept is still there that guys are guys are doing that. But That's a know. team that's weird to me is Dallas. They might be they might have been helped by no crowd because they yeah. they're not known for their home mice advantage. So they might be a team that the crowd doesn't really mean much to them and not having it kind of didn't do anything for them. Whereas like a team like Vegas, where their crowd has been such a huge part of them in the postseason, could really help. I mean, Tampa Bay tonight, Tampa Bay can beat the Islanders tonight. You know how hard it would have been for Tampa to go into the Coliseum for a game six, where there's oh. this Coliseum only can fit like 14,000, but your Yet Stadium would have been jam-packed. You wouldn't have been able to hear yourself think tonight for a game six in the conference finals. 
Whereas tonight it's silent in Edmonton. So, I mean, there's some teams that it's really, really, really going to hurt. And it's some teams that it's really going to help. It's clearly helped Dallas. I mean, I think it would have really helped Vancouver, even though Vancouver had a nice run. It would have really helped Vancouver. And there's other teams where it really just doesn't seem to matter. And I think Dallas is one of those teams. I, to be honest with you, I didn't see Dallas going far in this at all. I, I, I don't You're like not. the way their team is constructed. I don't think they, they go on these weird stretches every, every year where they'll score like maniacs for 10 straight games and then they won't be able to put the puck in the net for another 10 straight games. They're a very inconsistently weird team, but this could be the third straight year that we've seen a Stanley Cup, fi- a Stanley Cup winner change their coach midseason. Which yeah, and that's, yeah. And that, it, yeah. that's just something that, that you don't see often in, men, in any sport ever. And Dallas could be the third straight team to do it. I also think it's just that, as you said, it's a great point about Dallas because they go hot and cold when it comes to goal scoring. But Kudobin has been the guy that has led that team. He is playing like a man on fire. And I think I, I don't th- – and to that, to that point about the crowd, I don't see Kudobin as a guy that's able to adapt to the heavy atmosphere of a Vegas crowd and being able to pull out that win compared to uh, in Edmonton where he's able to get it done. Um, so the fact that Kudobin was able to spin on his head and he's continuing to spin on his head, I, like I'm at the point where I agree with you. I don't, I did not see Dallas making it to the final, but now that they are, I could, they're easily going to be, they could easily be either one of these teams in New York or Tampa in six or seven games. And I wouldn't be shocked anymore. They're, like, uh, that's where we're at. To me, the, the emergence of Anton Kudobin clearly makes the decision more difficult for Seattle of who you select because Ben Bishop's going to be available for you to take now. It looks like Marc-Andre Fleury could be a guy that gets selected by both te- uh, expansion teams in like five <laughs> yeah. years, which could be amazing if that happens. They're going to have their pick of the litter, Seattle, of who they want to take as their goalie. So I'm, I'm a little worried because I think Ben Bishop could be the guy. Ben Bishop could be the guy that the Seattle takes and can work out because Fleury's a little older. The contract's there, but I don't know about you guys. I, I would go. I would Bishop with me, my guy. If I'm in, if I'm Seattle, he's young enough. He's young enough. I mean, Kadobin's going to be thirty. I think he's thirty four. Thirty. He's going to be thirty five soon. And uh, there's another one, Fleury. He's going to be thirty six at the end of the year. And Bishop's not that far behind. I believe it'd be like thirty one or thirty two. He's still in his thirties, so you need a guy to kind of build around that way. But it kind of brings me to my next question for you, since you're a New York guy, and I'm of glad course. you brought up goaltending because this is a perfect lead into this. The legendary King Henry Glunquist, who has brought numerous heartbreaks to us in Philadelphia here. <laughs> where, do, where do you see him shaking out for next season? Because I'll tell you what, with the flat cap next year, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of movement for people to be able to take him. But it seems like to me that the Rangers are ready to move on with Igor Shosturkin and Alexander Georgiev, at least one of the two. Where do you see Lundqvist ending up and what do you think is going to play out from here? I think the Henrik Lundqvist career ending in New York is inevitable at this point, to be honest with you. Um, it's sad for me to say that because of the amount of joy this guy's brought me his entire career. But there's not much of a difference cap-wise whether they cut him or, 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 or keep Georgiev, surprisingly. The surprise to me is where Lundqvist is going to wind up. I think he's going to wind up on a team that's ready to win that needs great backup depth. And I could see a team like Toronto using him, a team that's Ooh. trying to make, make a lot of cap space right now. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him there, but I mean, if the Rangers buy, buy Lundqvist out, there's a lot more options auto- automatically. I don't know if think they're going to be able to trade him because his contract is too high. If they buy Lundqvist out, they're going to have, he's going to be able to sign for, you know, the veterans minimum. Okay. So if yeah. Lundqvist mm-hmm. signs to the veterans minimum somewhere, you're going to be able to add a lot more teams that can bring him in. 
So I'm thinking Toronto could be a team that brings him in. Uh, Montreal could be a team that brings him in. Pittsburgh could be a team that brings him in if they're willing to let go of Matt Murray and make Tristan Jari their their, their number one starter. So you're looking, you're expanding your your thought of I think he's going to want to go to a winner, a team that's ready to win the Stanley Cup Finals. You're expanding your horizons to teams that now need backups and need a solid backup because that's what Lundqvist is at this point. He's well, a solid backup that's going to be able to steal you ten to fifteen games per year. So, and the that's the predicament that the Flyers are facing. Is there a scenario where you see the Flyers taking a taking a contract like King like King Lundqvist just because Carter Hart has easily established himself as the number one goalie in Philadelphia here? But Brian Elliott's a free agent. Is Henry, is Henrik Lundqvist in any way on Chuck Fletcher's? radar for a potential backup spot here because as you said they're in a position where they could be ready to win for the next two or three seasons boy would that break my heart if i had to see him <laughs> in a fire that's honestly why i brought it up like the, the, let's be honest like the odds are are, are, uh, are very long but i would very much enjoy king lundquist being a in a backup role for my philadelphia flyers that there would be are, like there- ron hextall with playing for the islanders back in the day that right? was one of the craziest yeah. things ever so that was yeah. along the same lines of that there's some athletes in the history of sports where you really can't picture in the opposing jersey. I can't picture Tom Brady in a Jets jersey. I can't picture Derek Jeter in a Red Sox jersey. So I can't picture yep. Henry Clunkless in a Flyers jersey. It wouldn't be a terrible move <laughs> for them. Um, but let's be real. I don't think it's I don't think it's a move the Flyers can make because Lundqvist is going to get a decent amount of starts in the year. And to me, Carter Hart, or as as I should say, Kata Hot, is a guy that <laughs> I think right is going to be playing in 65 to 70 games next year. He has to play in as many games as possible. His goals against average is going to be in the 1.7s, 1.6s. He's one of the top Ooh, young goal, young goaltenders in the league at this point. So I don't know if Lundqvist is the right move because Lundqvist is going to need 15 to 20 starts. I think the top location for him, if he's going to start somewhere, a great place would be like Calgary, who can't seem to ever get the goaltending yeah. position down. Yep. But to, to me personally, that's the best place to go. It's got to be Vancouver. Because the Markstrom gets hurt a lot, it's got to be uh, you know Toronto would be a great landing spot for him because they're ready to win. He could come at a cheap price there, and Frederick Anderson usually needs twenty to twenty five games a year off. So th- there's those kind of team. I don't know if Philadelphia is a good fit for him. Well, let me lead into that is that you know you make a good point. I think Edmonton might not be a bad spot for him either. I think Calgary might look more the Braden Holpe world uh, to kind of solidify that goaltending for a long time. I wouldn't count out Edmonton either because they're a team that just has been a little inconsistent there um, with Nico um, Koskinen and then Mike Smith this year. Toronto, I'm not sure with their cap situation if, if that Lundqvist would be a good fit there. They have problems on defense. But speaking of going into next season, we're talking about next season. What do you see the the Rangers ending up? I mean, look, I mean they they struck lightning with the fact they're going to get the number all overall pick. They're going to likely pick Alexis Lafreniere. Um, they have uh, Capocacco, who they just selected second overall this past year. What what to you? What are the Rangers looking like, and what are they looking like as far as matching up against all the other teams in the Metro? Going into the Rangers season, though, I mean, I think Artemi Panarin's the Hart Trophy winner, and that's not because I have a love affair for him. I really think that he's he's going to win the Hart Trophy this year. He's one of the best players in the league this year for sure. Um. When they got that first overall pick, I mean, I've, I've been a Ranger fan my entire life. I call my best friend almost in tears. That, 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 that's what that meant for me, Alexis Lafreniere. <laughs> yeah. If you look at yeah. his junior's numbers, guys, he's the next Connor McDavid. He's the next Sidney Crosby. Uh. Okay, he's putting up 35 to 50 goals a season with 130 points. This guy could literally be the next superstar in the league, and the Rangers are going to be able to play him on their third line next year. So it's going it, to – you're not – you're not bringing him in like a Connor or a Sid where you, or an Austin Matthews even, where you're asking him to be your franchise's savior. You're bringing him in and you're letting him 
develop his game. You're giving him time, which is something that NHL players seem to never get coming into a team at 17 years old. So I think Lafreniere gets gets that, which is a huge benefit. You also have the emergence of Mika Zibanejad, which can't not be mentioned. A guy that's scoring 40 goals. I mean, he would have scored 50 goals this season if he play, if he didn't get hurt in the beginning he of the year. He would have came close, yeah. He would have. Five he, goals five goals in one game right before the shutdown happened. It's yeah, I mean, amazing. That, that, that helped him out a lot. But, I mean, there's a good chance this guy was going to be in the in the contention for the Rocket Richard this year, which is incredible to, and just, to be, just to think of. So, I mean, you've got guys like that. If they can re-sign Tony D'Angelo, it would be huge for the roster just because a defenseman that adds a lot of points. I don't know if they're going to be able to fit him under the cap, but if they can, it would be huge. Adam Fox has been awesome, who, who didn't get enough consideration for the Calder, in my opinion. There's so much positivity in New York, really with all three teams, that I think the next 10 years is going to be so much fun in New York and especially in the Metro to begin just as a whole. But the Rangers, I see anywhere from 85 to 95 points next year, and I don't think it's – I think it would be disingenuous to expect anything less than that. It's hard to have expectations as a Ranger fan because there's so much heartbreak around the franchise. But, guys, there's so much talent under the age of 28 on this roster. I don't see how they're not an 85 to 95-point team. Brian, what is your thought next season? You're talking about the Rangers realistically getting 85 or 90 points. Considering how tight it was with the Metro this past season, the Rangers ended up after the shutdown after 70 games with 79 points. Do you think, and that was second to last in the division, right ahead of the Devils, do you realistically think, well, that would be, technically, if you're looking at it, probably um, less, that would probably be taking a step back for them. Do you think that 85, 90 points would be enough to even get in the playoffs next season? I think they were getting in. If the break doesn't happen, I think they were going to get in. They were playing some of the hottest hockey in the league, and Columbus was starting to fall off. It was injury problems for Columbus, though. The Metro is so tough, guys. I mean, the, the, it's it's this, by far the most stacked division in the league. Yep. Um, I don't know if 85 points get you in, to be quite honest with you. I'd like to say yes, but, I mean, there's so many great teams in this league. I, I, I can't help but think Washington is going to take a step back. Because Holpe's going to be gone, and their team just gets older and older year by year. They can only keep doing this, you know, year after year, and keeps things consistent. I personally don't think Carolina is that good. I'll say it here: I don't think they're that good. <laughs> so they're just, they're just a bunch of jerks to you. <laughs> they are a bunch of jerks to me. Uh, I don't think Carolina is very good. But no, that's again, a good point. there are teams like Philadelphia that are going to be here for the next decade. Um, the Islanders are going to be good for the next decade. Even the Devils are going to be getting better. So I mean, there's a lot to watch out for in the Metro. Um, I think 85, 90 points get you in, but you're going to be scrapping and fighting, and the division's going to be tooth the nail the entire league and the entire season next year. And I expect nothing less than that. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. And my 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 personal hope is because of how absurd th- these playoffs worked really really well. Not just because they expanded to the 24 teams, but because they kept it. They did the normal seating that they did pre realignment into these four divisions. Of the Metro and, and the Atlantic and, and the Pacific and the and uh, I'm blanking on the fourth doesn't matter. Like it's so absurd Second. that of how these these NHL the NHL decided to do this. And you're right because of how stacked the Metro has gotten, it's created this kind of an unfair advantage for the teams like Columbus Devils. Rangers in this case that are on the fringe that would probably make the playoffs if they were Atlantic Division. Are you hopeful like I am that when Seattle comes in, they're going to reevaluate this and uh, because now then they'll be at an even amount of teams on both leagues or both conferences, they'll actually say, hey, we need to go back to the old format and, and we'll see something like that happen. 
Yeah, it's weird the way the NHL playoffs work because I think they have the best playoff format. Whereas, yeah. they every year it's super competitive, and you could you can legitimately convince anyone that an eight seed is going to win the Stanley Cup Finals every year, which is something that other sports don't have. You're seeing this a lot in sports lately. The NFL added an extra playoff team this year. Major League Baseball is now having it. Seems like three quarters of the league make the postseason this year. Um, I think you're going to see this in the future. I do. I think hockey is going to going to definitely expand their postseason. I don't love that, but. It's going to have to happen because even this year, you got New York and you got Montreal into the postseason. And that's what they were aiming for. So you were able to get that in the postseason this year. And the NHL wants their top markets. In the, and, and, and they got Montreal and they got Carey Price. They even got them stealing a series. They got New York in the final. That's what they're aiming for. So if they're going to be able to convince themselves that they're going to get that every year, it's going to convince a lot more owners to say, you know what, put these teams in. Because realistically... If they expanded the playoffs, the Rangers are going to be making it the next 10 years. Montreal is going to be making it the next 10 years. You're going to have more Canadian teams in it. You're going to have teams like Vancouver being able to make runs and stuff. You're going to have Connor McDavid in the postseason every every year. Stars that you need in the playoffs and big market teams that you need in the postseason. So, do I want it to happen? No. Am I optimistic it's going to happen, though? Absolutely. It's definitely going to happen. Good point. And I, I'm not in a disagreement with that at all. I think that... If they, especially if they go back to the one to eight seed format rather than the way they have it set up with the top three in the divisions and two wild cards, I think it can make it even more expansive if they go back to maybe even like one through 12 or something. But, you know, do you think that if they're going to do something like that, should they cut down the amount of games in the regular season and expand the playoffs itself? Or is 82 games plus the expanded playoffs a better option for the league? I am a super huge proponent on, and, and you, I can attest to this on Vince Quinn's show that I work on every weekend on CBS Sports Radio, who we work with at the Spark. I, I, I'm a huge proponent for an anti-changing, lessening games and seasons. I, I can't stand that, that mindset. And mainly because I'm a history geek. And I don't like how stats are going to be screwed up because of that. I'm sorry. If you lower yeah. the Major League Baseball season from 160 to 130, you lose crazy stats like Lou Gehrig having 177 RBIs in a season. Not like that's ever going to happen again, but there's no chance it ever happens again. There's no chance of any crazy stats being repeated, and it's hard to even match up modern-day stats with older-day stats because the seasons have changed now. There's less games in the season. I feel the same way about the NHL. The same way. You had a guy like Artemi Panarin this year who's got 35 goals and would have finished with about 110 points. If you lower the games to 70 games, is that ever gonna, are we ever going to have a 100-point guy ever again? Odds are we're never going to see a Gretzky or Lemieux approach 200 points ever again. But yeah. you're never going to see that. There's not a chance that ever happens ever again if you keep the league, if you don't keep the league at 82 games. Ever. It's never going to happen again. So the stats-wise, that screws at me. Playoff-wise, absolutely. They're going to be expanding it. It's going to make it easier for teams to get in. You're going to see, like the conversation we were having earlier with the back of goaltenders, that's going to become even bigger of a deal if they do that. If they expand the playoffs, you're not going to be so antsy to win every single hockey game. You're going to be more keen to start your backup goaltender especially if he's got a decent goals against average every year because you're going to be able to give up games in the regular season because more teams are going to get in every year and you can afford those losses so playoff expansion i think absolutely but season being shortened i really 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 hope not well brian we really appreciate it. you were the first ever guest on the orange and back check podcast so congratulations well i am honored you can only go up from here <laughs> I, I would say we have an award for you, but I, I mean, we'll, we'll send you a we'll friend you a, send you a uh, edible arrangement or something. How about that? 
I will. I'll enjoy it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian McKeon, Orange and Backcheck podcast right here. First ever guest. Catch him on Sirius XM Radio, NFL, uh, WFAN, CBS Sports Radio, and the Sparkblog.net with Vince Quinn. Brian, we really appreciate it, man. Have yeah. until next time. Actually, Thanks I got guys. one final question since you're oh, up, at, uh, up at Sirius XM. You up there hobnobbing with Howard and Robin? I, I, I haven't met Howard Stern at work yet. You know, I, I'd be I, I, I'd be honored to run into him and ask for a donation to my charity. Uh, but by, by all I, means, I, please plug it. Please plug I, your charity. I don't, the charity is my bank account. Okay. Um, <laughs> it goes it goes to the fund of me gambling. That's yeah, really what go. my charity goes to. But um, I haven't run into Howard Stern at work yet. He's not really much of a um, guy that you're allowed to really talk to in the hallway. It's kind of one of those. It's a that known rule there where you gotta like ignore him. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not one of the guys that I've run to, but I've met many other names in the radio industry that I'm sure I have. I can go on for hours with stories about. So, um, yeah, whenever yeah. you guys want to have me back on, I can give you plenty of radio stories that you want to hear. Absolutely, right. and and if you want to follow Brian McKeon on Twitter, you can. What is it at underscore Brian McKeon? Is that, you I have that got right? it right? Someone awesome. else had at Brian McKeon somehow. So, <laughs> so <laughs> at Brian at underscore Brian McKeon, and I love you are a hundred percent right on this. Good teams win, great teams cover. That is a great slogan. <laughs> that is that is gotta that. be. I, I need to get it tattooed on me one day. Yeah, great teams win. Uh, good teams win, great teams cover. I love it. Brian, until next time, we love you. Have See a good one. See you guys. Thanks. And there goes Brian McKean. We thank him so much for joining us here on the Orange and Backcheck Podcast, the first official guest, again, of the Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Uh, before we wrap, uh, let's get into quick about the Gary Bettman comments. Uh, he held his also his State of the League address. Uh, it, it's always around the final. You see it at yep. the Super Bowl with Roger, yep. Roger Goodell. Uh, why am I blanking on Adam Silver of the NBA? He'll, uh, I'm sure he'll do it when the NBA Finals comes along. But Gary Bettman spoke to the media, uh, well, spoke in front of a camera to Zoom where all the media was talking to because, you know, COVID. Uh, we still have that whole thing. Why? Why, <laughs> why would you need to clarify that? Hey, I mean, so, uh, <laughs> so he spoke, and I think his biggest thing was twofold. Uh, he talked about the upcoming season, obviously, because NHL goes beyond this season, uh, despite us wanting to think time has completely stopped in 2020. This thing goes on in, in sports. So uh, his biggest, I thought, takeaway was talking about the 2020-2021 season and what's it going to look like? Because it sounded pretty much that they plan on having no fans in the beginning, uh, but they hope to have them down the line at some point. I don't remember if he said um, it's kind of going to be like a team-by-team team basis. Like you see that in the NFL right now. Like the Dallas Cowboys are able to have fans. The Philadelphia Eagle fans are not allowed to come in. Like that, it's that kind of deal. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if the NHL is going to do that. Um, but he also said that he would not be shocked if the December 1st, which is obviously all, if the, all these dates are tentative of training camp, everything. I think the only stuff that's locked is – when free agent starts and when the draft is the yep. entry draft, yeah. um, but everything else is fluid. Yeah. And, and it's just like, so basically he, ba- he essentially said, don't be shocked if we start in January, uh, mid February, or excuse me, mid December and, and so on, depending on how this thing goes. Um, I'm not shocked by that for sure. Uh, I think that's pretty, so pretty self-standard at this point, because I'm sure they've been working on, 
the contingent, the plans and the contingency plans and the contingency plans on top of contingency plans for these, this upcoming season. And more than likely, this is probably going to be just like the MLB and, and, and the NFL are doing. They're going to just throw caution. Now, I don't want to say caution to the wind because I think that's a little uh, naive on my part when we were talking about earlier in the season with the Major League Baseball having COVID tests. Mostly it sounded like the Miami Marlins at the time were just complete morons. Um, but the MLB as a whole has been doing pretty well. Uh, so I think the NHL is going to do similar. They're going to still have travel. They're going to have stadium by stadium. And maybe they'll condense this, the schedule to be a little bit more travel friendly. The, the East Coast teams are going to play the East Coast teams. West Coast teams are going to play the West Coast teams. And that's it. There's not going to be interconference games uh, this year. But th- we'll see what, uh, when it comes to that. What, what were your takeaways from the Gary Bettman conference? They're still looking to have a full 82-game season. If I'm the NHL, I'm, I'm going to be smart about this. Uh, like Right now, I can't confirm anything. But what I've been you know seeing rumblings about is that the NHL is probably going to start somewhere around Christmas. It looks like they're trying to do some sort of kickoff week around – you know, around the holidays. It's not a bad move by them PR-wise. Um, it gets eyes. You know people are home. You know people are out with their families. You're looking for – you're starving for content on TV while people and family are in town. Um, I think that would be a really good thing. You and I were talking before the show about how the NBA owns Christmas Day. The NHL can throw some competition in there. This actually isn't the worst thing in the league for them to do. I would only be agitated, in a sense, if they condense – the season. Well, I don't think condensed season. I should say condense the off season again. If they're going to mm-hmm. go from December to about I don't know July and August probably, and then all of a sudden start back the season back up in October again, I'm not sure that's the smartest move. This yeah, might not I, be a bad pivot point for them to really say, okay, you know, from now on, the season starts in December, you yep. get hockey all the way to August, and you're getting those months where the NBA isn't playing in July. And in August, and you're only competing against baseball at that point, before football happens, you're talking out the wazoo playoff viewership. And that's exactly what you would want. And not to dump cold water on that, but I agree with you. I think this means the NHL is going to expand out to December, start the season, January, start the season. The NBA is going to do it too. Like that's like there. It's, it's possible. It's possible, but do you really think that they're going to push back? They already start November. You think they're really going to push back even farther going forward? I mean, I think they would. Uh, they've already had discussions on it, and they kind of oh, look boy. at kind of December. But here's where the NHL has an opportunity. The NHL can look at the not probably not this year, probably not this year, probably not next year. Um, but they should revamp the Winter Classic. I think the Winter Classic is their their thing that they can revamp. Similar to the NBA on Christmas Day is their thing. It sounds like what the NBA is hoping to do. Christmas Day is the opener. It's the it's the grand opening. It's it's the the Sixers Celtics. It's the Lakers Clippers or whoever the big rivalries are on that day. And then vice and then to contract that with the NHL. The Winter Classic is the big thing to open up the season. Instead of being that midpoint, unofficial midpoint uh, festival, it's the yeah. official start of the season. I think that's where the NHL can go. Um, the problem is, as you said, like your hope is that the 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 season now is elongated for the, the or is extended for the NHL from January until August, which I agree with. I think that would be very intelligent. I think that would be the new norm. Uh, yeah. for for the NHL uh, instead of doing, just doing it one time and then in October you're doing the 2021-2022 yeah. season. 
that's yeah. completely insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, on uh, but the on the other side is the NBA is also going to do it. I'm all for it because simply because as sports fans, you and I, you're obviously all hockey. I, I like all four major sports and including soccer to add the fifth in there. Like anytime I can get nine or ten months out of the year of, of some sort of sports action, I'm going to be all for it. And especially when it comes to the NHL, the NHL expands this out, especially because I would imagine this is going to mean less back to back games. You'll still have that bye week for every team. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna, uh, by expanding the season in a way, also condense it by doing back to back games, pushing these games in. I still think you're able to do that, and that's a good thing because you've got to keep guys healthy. You've got to still look out for the health of the players outside of COVID. COVID is the number one thing right now, but you also got to look at like, also you have to make the the. I know that everyone complains about it, but this is a big thing. You have to get the preseason in somehow. You saw yeah. the benefit yeah. of it for the MLB. The MLB preseason was a huge benefit, and vice versa to that. The MLB, or excuse me, the NFL offseason or uh, lack of a preseason is really hurting teams, mostly because we're yeah. home. Or the Philadelphia Eagles probably could have benefited from a freaking preseason. Uh, I think most teams would have. Look at the yeah. Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons yeah. could improve that work on special teams. So I think that should be a big thing, and I'm sure they're having internal discussions about it with Gary Bettman and, and Bill Barr. Uh, Bill Barr. Uh, Bill Jesus, Barr. I apologize. Yeah, why? Wow. I hope Bill Barr doesn't work in the NHL. <laughs> God. Why am I blanking people? on his name? Bill, 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 Bill Daly? Bill Daly. Bill Daly. Bill Daly. So I'm sure Bill Daly, Gary <laughs> Bettman, all these guys, they, they have to think of trying to get a preseason. Whether that's even just uh, like the Phillies had interleague squad games, you do that already in the NHL to some sport, to some extent, with split squad. Try and do something of that extent, and also one or two Islanders, Rangers, whoever it is on the East Coast. Like uh, that's a big thing you got to try and do. Well, also the fact that you got to work it out with the players' union as well. A lot of the oh, stuff of is going to yeah. be some of it negotiated. I think Don Fair has shown, and he's he's been more willing to negotiate with the NHL than in, in years past with other guys. Um, Overall, look, there's a lot of moving parts with this, and there's going to be a lot of moving parts with this. And you know, a lot of this, too, is just us speculating to put the league in the best position to get more fans. Because, look, I don't think that we can see yet how valued that hockey in August has probably been and how much better it's been. Unfortunately, it's not. It doesn't look like at this point it's going to go all the way to October. Probably, maybe, maybe might just push it. But, um, <laughs> Stanley, yeah, the Stanley Cup will probably be ended, you know, I would say, probably by the end of the month here if, if it goes all and everything is the same. But I, I, I look at it this way if you have all of October to get prepared, all of November, and then half of December, all that there, then it's like a normal offseason. And then you get you yep. at some point, if the NHL decides to pivot, they're going to have to cut back the season. So, um, if they're not considering moving a full-time push to this time frame, their best bet wouldn't be to wait till the end of December. They probably want to kick it off the beginning of December, make up a month now, and then make up a month again next year at the end in 2020. You're back to October at the fall of 2020 or 2021. So that way uh, things are back to normal. But who knows? I think a lot of things are fluid, but I'll tell you what considering that baseball is the only sport that really runs from, I would say mid June or end of June all the way through the end of August until football starts. um, There's a huge opportunity there to get some people 
you know, who don't like to go out and enjoy the sunshine and just like to sit in the air conditioning. Um, if you're sitting in the air conditioning during a nice summer day anyway, uh, you probably should be watching hockey because that's it's the same type of deal. Just sitting in an ice box yeah, and watching the puck go back and forth. Yeah. So you, you should be watching hockey anyway. So there's an opportunity there to take up on that. Um, but then there's the flip side. What happens when football is the only sport going on from, I would say, October to December because baseball wraps up at the end of October. So really all all November is just yeah. no sports. So, hey, you know, there's an opportunity there where if you don't align perfectly with the NBA, you'll have a gap like you normally do because I think what the NBA usually starts at the beginning of November, end of October, yeah, and the right. NHL has like two or three weeks there where the only, really the only game in town. Um, so. You know, who knows? I, but I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of details, a lot of things that come up with this in the next couple of weeks. And, hey, I'm sure there'll be more information by the draft. But once they decide to make decisions, they can make the schedules. And then we're off to the races. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. That's for sure. Like, we'll, we'll be on it top is. of it. Like we said, thankfully, the, the, the NHL entry draft in the free agent market, and that's going to be our bread and butter for this offseason, what the Flyers are going to be doing. Because as we said uh, in the beginning of this podcast, Chuck Fletcher has uh, – a lot on his plate, but at the same time, it's it's threading a needle that we th- that's not as small as we think it is. I think that's a good yeah. way to put it. Like the Flyers yeah. are a good team um, that I think pieces. just needs to make a couple pieces here and there, and that yeah. needle will be thread. And I trust Chuck Fletcher with this. One, he's an outside voice that we talked about uh, time and time again because he's not a Paul Holmgren, he's not a Ron Hextall, who's built inside the system of the Philadelphia Flyers organization. So it's a little bit different. So I'm ex- very excited to see what Chuck Fletcher can do uh, with a playoff team. Because officially a playoff team uh, under Chuck Fletcher, so it's like, what can he do with that? So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back at some point, uh, probably in a couple weeks, uh, maybe a little less. Like this, the off season is obviously a little bit funky. If you if you've been listening to us throughout this entire t- entire thing, and since we started back about a year ago now, um, it's it, we go by week by week, but. Hey, it's not the 2020-2021 season yet, so we can't go week by week for weak reactions on the Flyers. So uh, just keep an ear out. Follow us on social. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Shoot us an email if you have any off-season questions. This is this is the time. You can do what – off-season questions can be anything, hockey-related and non-hockey-related. It literally does not matter. We'll answer it. We'll read it. You, on you should ask Bill about his haircut. That's what you should do. Somebody should email Bill and be like, hey, tell me about this ridiculous fun. haircut you have there. Like the buzz cut? <laughs> What's wrong with a buzz cut? It's not really buzz, dude. I mean, well, I, one, like, I haven't had. Uh, I, I, I'm due for a haircut more than anything. This hasn't been I, cut. I got to give you credit, though. I mean, granted, you're still a kid, but I mean, yeah, you, you, your hairline is pretty straight across your head there. Not like this whole widow's peak I got going on here. Uh, you got to talk to my buddies offline, uh, off the air, and they'll tell you a horror story that I'm not going to talk about on the air uh, <laughs> when it came to uh, a mismanaged haircut that almost destroyed my hairline. Oh, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Are you wearing fuzz underneath that? Or is, is no, that, is no, that no, fuzz this, on top? This, no, no. No, no, no. This you know, no. you're not wearing a head blanket. No, 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 no. no, no. The, it, the college sophomore a Russian ski cap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about it's it's a story for another podcast. Let's put it that way. All right, uh, I'll but, allow uh, it. I'll allow yeah. it. 
So shoot us an email if you have any questions for us, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We thank you so much for listening. Hey, week one of the official offseason with the Orange and Backcheck podcast is here. And we thank Brian McKeon for coming on the show this evening. Uh, he was great. Follow him at underscore Brian McKeon uh, on Twitter and uh, get all, all of his content. Also, the sparkblog.net that we partnered with him and Vince Quinn on. Uh, it's great content, great all the time. Check us out on that. And we'll talk to you guys uh, next time. Bill wears a wig. Let me in. Yeah. Wow, look at us wearing Eagles gear after that shit. Yeah, right. I'm going to go outside and burn it all like some of these people do after some of those games like that. <laughs>